Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have Samantha Skelly on the show. She is Canada's leading emotional eating expert and the founder of Hungry for Happiness, a movement to support women around the world who are suffering from disordered eating and body image issues. We cover so many topics around this and not only that. We go into so many different branches of our life and relationships and just different things that perhaps we don't realize are the root cause of a lot of emotional eating and suffering around that. So without further ado, let's get started. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I so appreciate you. 
You're so welcome. I'm super excited for this conversation. So we have a mutual friend in common, and I actually know that whoever uh, Liz D'Alto sends my way, I'm so excited to chat with. (laughs) And I could tell immediately, just from the few seconds we got to talk before this, that I um, immediately have a a soul connection. So I'm very excited to dive in. Um, So for people who maybe don't know your story or know Mm -hmm. about you yet, I would love if you you would tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how you started doing what you do now. Yeah, absolutely. So my story starts basically when I was like four years old. Let's start there. I was a child actress and I was a dancer and I was a stunt double for the majority of my childhood. So when I wasn't on a stage, I was in front of the camera and it was interesting. You know, a lot of of kids at school were like, wow, you have such a cool life. But for me, that was just that was just what I did. I was just a performer. And um, so a lot of my childhood was spent on set. A lot of it was spent going to auditions, you know, performing, dancing, all of that, all that kind of stuff. When I was 14, I got casted in a show called Smallville. Do you guys have Smallville down here? I don't Is that maybe just a Canadian thing? I remember it. Yes. You do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I did, I did stunt work for, for Smallville. And so I, I was so immersed in that world. I was so immersed in, in performance. And when I was 18, I hit this wall where I was like, I don't really know who I am besides a dancer and an actress. I'm mm-hmm. like, I need to, I need to like go figure my life out and go, go do that. So rather than going to university, I just asked my parents, I'm like, mom, dad, I just, I want to create my education through traveling. And so they, they agreed. And so when I was 18, I went traveling, I moved to Australia and decided that I wa- was going to start my life there and, um, just go, go explore. So when I went to Australia, I went through this very interesting emotional time where I had completely lost my significance. I was no longer a dancer. I was no longer an actress. I was just some random 18-year-old girl traveling the world trying to find herself. Mm. And I realized that through that journey, I became ruthlessly obsessed with the relationship I had to to food and to my body. I w- became an obsessive dieter. I could not eat like a normal person. I was so obsessed with every single calorie that entered into my body. I mean, we're talking if I had 100 calories more than what I was quote unquote supposed to have that day, I would do an insane amount of jumping jacks before bed so I could like burn off the calories that I consumed through that day. And so it got to be very obsessive to the point where I found myself in the hospital because I was eating like four tablespoons of yogurt a day and uh, with like a little bit of granola. And that was the darkest time was when I was in Australia and I was just, you know, gosh, so, so upset with my body. I was so small and yet I was still thinking I was, I was, I was overweight. And when I couldn't restrict anymore, then I would just use food as a drug and I would just eat everything in sight because I knew that eventually one day I would, you know, one day as in the next week, I would be back on this restrictive craziness again. So that cycle of like restricting and binging and restricting and binging went on for so long. And at the time that this was all going on, I was, I was a personal trainer as well. I left Australia, I moved to England and I started a personal training company. And so I was very out of alignment, like helping people with their health when behind the scenes, I was struggling so much with the relationship I had to my body. And, um, I could not, you know, every, every, 20 times a day I would weigh myself, you know, the number on the scale just told me, okay, you're worth, you're worthy this day or this day, or you're not. And it was just, it was so indicative of how I would feel that day. Mm. And so it was always a sliding scale and I was constantly looking for validation and and, and significance outside of myself. So after about four years of this, um, it's one of those things as well that you think that no one notices. You think that, you know, it's like your hidden little secret because there's so much shame and so much guilt around it. And so I I thought I was doing a really good job at hiding it from the world. Um, and one of my girlfriends just said to me one day, she goes, Sam, you know what? You're, you're not really fooling anybody. She said, everyone knows that this is something that's causing you so much pain, so much distress, so much self-hatred and, um, we're here to help. And it was in that moment that I'm like, 
oh my God, I need to do something about this now. I need to truly figure out why this is going on before I ruin the rest of my life. So I moved back to Vancouver, Canada, where I'm from. And I just decided that the next three years of my life is going to be spent towards really figuring out what I was actually hungry for, really figuring out how I'd gotten myself so deep into this and just going on a healing, a healing mission. So I just eliminated everything in my life that was not in alignment with me figuring it out and figuring what was out what was going on. And that included boys and all sorts of distractions that, that I, that I distracted myself with. And, um, three years later, I finally felt for the first time in my life, I could look in a mirror and just not cringe. You know, I didn't, I wasn't obsessed on the, about the scale and I could finally just like look at food and be like, Oh, this is, this is fuel. This is really good for me. Like I'm excited to nourish my body. And so after feeling that freedom and liberation, um, that I, that I discovered and I felt, I just knew that this was my, this is my mission and this is my message message. And I needed to get this out in a, in a huge way. So October, 2014, which is two years ago, hungry for happiness was born and, and here we are today. So, Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think no matter who you are, whether you're dealing with any sort of um, issue whatsoever, body image, binge eating, um, under eating, um, trying to find that balance, whatever it is, I think everybody can relate on some level to that, to connecting our worthiness to our bodies. And uh, that can be really intense. I so relate to that. Just when you said you were talking about how, you know, when you weren't, um, a dancer or an actress, it's like, well, who am I now? I remember. That's so yeah. true. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's so intense. So, mm-hmm. you know, we tie so much of who we are to exactly what we're doing in that moment, forgetting that we have so much value. So how did you, do you find that when you really started in those three years on that search, was it really maybe focusing on what value you had in other areas or were you building that up or what did you start doing to start shifting? So the very first thing I did was I I was going to see a, a coach about it. And he was like, okay, you need to start meditating. You need to start spending time by yourself, closing your eyes and just getting into your body. And for somebody that's been running away from their body and fearing their body for so long, that was the most confronting thing that I've ever had to do. And for, for months, literally months, I was like, yeah, 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 I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And like, I was just blank face lying, going to the sessions being like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that meditation thing is really going well. It's great. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, nothing's changing. What's going on? So basically I, I, I was like, okay, fine. I need to, I need to figure this out. I need to allow myself just to get into my body, no matter how painful it is. Because what happened was I had built up so much so many pain barriers in my body that the thought of, of, of being in my body was so painful at the time. So I, I just, I was like, okay, I got to do this. And I can remember myself just sitting down there. My legs were crossed. I'm like, okay, breathing into my body, like feeling into my body. And I did that every single day for like months without feeling any of like that intuition that people talk about. I was so disconnected from that. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have one of these intuition things that everyone else on the planet has. Like I, I swear there's no connection here between mind and body, head and heart. And after just being so diligent and just like allowing myself to feel again, I finally felt that glimmer of, okay, wow, my body, there is something going down there. There is, you know, I I do have access to this inner guidance that I just denied for so long. And then I started to like really be okay with just sitting in the crap and the pain and just really sit with that, which was something like as soon as I would feel the pain, I would, I would use food or I would over-exercise or I would distract myself or I would go shopping or I'd go online shopping or whatever it was. And, and I can remember just sitting there with it going, wow, this is what pain feels like. This is what it feels like. And it was giving me an opportunity to just use that pain as a catalyst for growth and just get hyper curious about what is really going on here. My body's communicating something to me. And this emotion that I'm feeling is simply just information. What is the lesson here? What do I need to learn? So it really started from a place of like getting silent, creating space, and then getting so curious about what my body was truly trying to communicate to me. Oh. 
Love that. So mm-hmm. what were the lessons? Because I know so many people are probably going to either they're starting to do this or they're starting to, you know, when we feel the pain, we do want to run, but how do we, how do we hang in there? Is there mm-hmm. a journaling yeah. practice or what were you feeling? Um, so something that comes up for me when you ask that question is a huge block I had. And for those people listening, I'm sure they can resonate with this a lot. Acceptance is not synonymous to being complacent. So in my mind, I was like, if I accept myself, then I'm not going to change. Mm. If I accept myself, then I'm just going to gain 300 pounds and own 5,000 cats and not have any friends. That was literally <laughs> the, the extreme of what I went to. And so I had a fear in acceptance. I'm like, if I'm okay with my body and there's nothing to fix, then what am I going to work on? I, mm. I, there was that fear around. So that's the biggest thing is, is the lesson was like, how can I just be okay with what is? How can I just love what is? I actually just got a tattoo last week that says loving what is. Mm. And that was so much a part of my journey is like loving what is. I'm going to love myself at this weight. I don't care if it's 20 pounds above or 20 pounds below, whatever it is, I'm just going to find anything I can right in this moment about my body. Maybe it's my fingernails. Maybe it's the, like the beat of my heart. Maybe it's the shine of my hair, but whatever it is, just really focusing on what can I do right now to feel in full acceptance mm-hmm. and what we focus on expand. So I just, I just kept focusing on that every single day. Like, okay, what did I really appreciate today? What did I so appreciate about my body today? The way it moved, the way it looked, the way I felt, what was it? And I just started creating this, like the snowball momentum of, of this of this positive energy, which was so counterintuitive to to anything I, I had felt for the last five years, um, and then after after that, the second thing, the second thing I really had to learn was if I'm going to trust myself again. I can't trust the part of me that I've trusted, quote unquote, in the past, Mm. the the ego, the personality, right? Because that part of me has let me down in the past. And I know there's a deeper, more profound part, the soul of who I am that is so capable of guiding my human experience. And if I, if I believe it and I allow it and I allow that to guide me, then I can start rebuilding the trust and creating like mini trust agreements so I I can stay in integrity and then that can grow as well. So I started just being silly and like finding little things that I could do to be integrity with myself. Like, okay, I... I'm going to commit to say drinking a glass of water every single morning. I'd wake up and I'd drink a glass of water. And then I was like basically reframing my brain to say, oh, no, Sam, you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. Because going into this healing journey, my story was I can't trust myself. I have no willpower. I'm never going to change. That was my story. So I had to kind of like trick myself into building up this integrity. And then as I started to build it, I just found bigger and bigger things that I could use my body to trust myself with. Mm. This is so great. I... I literally, I find that I use so many of the tools that you're saying without even, um, being able to put them into words. So I love that you are really making them specific for everybody. I found even, um, this weekend when I travel a lot, I had this, I used to have this old mantra of, oh man, when I travel, it's like, I just seek comfort and I eat Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I don't sleep well. And this was just repeating in my head. So you can imagine how I feel about travel, right? It's like my Mm -hmm. arch nemesis. So Mm -hmm. this last weekend I was traveling and speaking. And although I definitely feel I used food for more comfort throughout the weekend, it was almost like I didn't, I was like, I'm enjoying myself. And I was focusing on how I was staying with a friend um, and I was just focusing on how good of a friend I could be. Like, you're oh, just an amazing beautiful. friend. Like, you give amazing hugs. You can mm-hmm. really use your body to make people feel amazing and focus on them and be interested. And oh, I found, that's like, so beautiful. Uh, even though I didn't feel, gr- I gotta be honest, I didn't feel great because I had been doing a lot of traveling. <laughs> mm. um, I still really found when I came home, I was not remotely beating myself up where in the past it would have been like, oh my gosh, it's Monday, it's grind time. Mm-hmm, I gotta mm-hmm, get back because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time until my next trip. So yeah. that's so beautiful. Thank you for putting yeah. that um, into words. So I love the body acceptance part two. Do you have. Um, something that you say that you maybe have rituals around every single day around body acceptance. Mm, I, the question I ask myself is, is how can I be the highest, best and most authentic version of who I am? And what does that look like in the moment? So, you know, our thoughts create feelings, Mm. our thoughts create feelings. And a lot of, a lot of my clients just don't 
yet see the leverage of what those thoughts do. So we have this core belief, right? So say the core belief is I am not worthy. Mm -hmm. That core belief of I am not worthy is then is then transcended into thought. So we're thinking it we're thinking it all day long, right? We're finding evidence as to why we're not worthy in various things. That then evokes a certain feeling, right? So we're feeling unworthy. Like what is that feeling of unworthy? It's like that low vibrating feeling, shame, guilt, heaviness, like, ugh, you know, that like sticky feeling, that sticky feeling, our actions are going to be the result um, of that sticky feeling and which will then transcend into our behaviors. So our behaviors are all a result of a core belief. So, so when we're like, oh, why did I do this? Or, or how does this, why is my life like this? And we kind of go into victim mode. It's very easy to trace it back. Okay. Well, that action was a result of, you know, this feeling, which was, which was a result of this thought, which was a result of this core belief. So if we can truly get real with what are we actually believing about ourselves? What is the truth of what we're believing? And we can just simply become an observer of those beliefs, knowing that, number one, most of those beliefs aren't ours. They're inherited and we're just holding on to them. And number two, we have all the power and ability to be able to shift those beliefs. Like, I love that story that you said about traveling. Like, we have the ability to just be like, oh, that belief's not working for me because it's making me feel like this. I'm going to change my story to change my thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so you came home and you were just so much more compassionate, empathetic towards yourself. And we as humans have the ability to do that. And I truly believe that's like the ultimate level of self-mastery when we know that we're so empowered to be able to make those decisions. Mm. So what is the most transformative thing that you think that you have ever done on this path? Mm, that's such a great question for my clients or for myself. Let's do both. Let's do okay. uh, for you first. Okay. So for me first, the most, mm, the, th- the, the thing that I credit the most to is doing whatever I want, Ooh. doing whatever I want. For so much of my life, I was such a people pleaser. I gave and gave and gave. I put myself last. I would sacrifice my home, a human experience for, to benefit other people. And at the end of the day, what was I telling myself? I'm not worthy of having that kind of experience. I'm not worthy of that love. I'm not worthy of, you know, um, asking for what I want. I'm not worthy of receiving what I want. And so I I was massively blocked because I, I just fundamentally didn't believe I was worth it. So the, the, the lesson of you're allowed to want what you want. You're allowed to feel into what feels good and take action to get there. You're allowed to set boundaries for other people to, to get what you want. And that for me is just like such a freeing feeling, mm-hmm. um, being able to just ask for it knowing that mm, I probably not, I'm not always going to get what I want, but I can always ask for what I want. And I'm always so deserving of what I want. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I no longer feel the need to just please other people to seek love, which was something that I used to always do. I, I didn't feel it within me. So I would mold and, and put myself, make myself into a chameleon. So other, so I'd be like, come on, love me, you know, and, and there's no need for that now because all the love that I could possibly want is within me. And so I can just be free knowing that no matter what happens, I'm at the end of the day, I'm so supported and I'm so loved. So that is a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah. Awesome. So mm. do you find that when you were, and we'll, we'll get into most transformative thing for your clients as well. Mm. Um, but do you find that when you were, you know, replacing basically your old patterns with whatever you want to do now, what did that look like? Was it really replacing? So maybe when you would sit in the funk or dwell Mm. in the yuck or go and do those habits that, you know, bring you down to this place where it's just no energy, you feel awful, we're self-sabotaging. Is it a replacement factor? Are you going out and doing these other things that you love? Or what did you do in those, in the moments when you're Mm -hmm. just in it and you find yourself, cause I've been there, right? I, you were talking to like probably your, your twin, um, <laughs> in a different, in a different way. Um, it. but when you are just in that place of crazy and the voice is the loudest thing you've ever heard, mm. do you have like a, uh, disruptive, you know, thing that you can do to stop that? Mm-hmm. So the two things I'm going to touch on here is 
I never replace. I just add. Mm. So what we, when we, when, when you think of like, okay, I can't do that, but I'm going to do this instead. And there's like that replacing thing. I'm not going to eat that yep. bag of chips, but I'm going to go to the gym. That type of mentality is harder because it activates that scarcity part of us, which is so con- socially conditioned in us, right? We, we live in a world that's truly rooted in scarcity and perfectionism. So when we think about something being taken away from us, it activates every defense mechanism in us. But, or, and when we think about just adding things in that are more in alignment with who we actually are and the direction that we're going, that satisfies our, our defense mechanism that satisfies the ego. So in those states where you're like, I'm in such a funk right now, leaning into what feels good for you. If, if we can, if we can shift that feeling at a core level and I can feel my best right now, number one, focusing on what that feeling is. As humans, we have this beautiful ability to, in moments, shift our our energy from a low vibrating energy, shame, guilt, whatever it is, into joy, liberation, freedom. We have that ability, to, um, and we switch that through what we what we focus on. So when we're finding ourselves on the verge of a binge or on the verge of wanting to overexercise or on the verge of restriction or on the verge of maybe a total angry freakout, what we're <laughs> truly craving in that moment is a state change. Mm. When we're binge eating, what, what's, what's really going on there is we have an emotional buildup that we've not yet dealt with. And so we, we're using food as a drug to numb that emotion because we have not yet cultivated the courage to move through it. So our bodies are like, okay, state, state change. We need a state change. Let's do this. Let's do this really quickly. And we all know food temporarily puts a bandaid on a bullet wound for us. Mm-hmm. So it's about creating the space to recognize what's actually going on in that moment. And so breathing, the breath is such a beautiful mechanism to connect mind and body, head and heart, really get grounded into our bodies and just taking space. So that's the first thing, just using, taking space and using your breath. Number two is, is talking to that pain, talking to that anger, talking to that anxiety, like, okay, I feel you in my body right now. I feel you everywhere my body from my toes to my fingers in my head I know my chest is beating my body's getting hot like what is it what is it that you're you're needing I'm here to love you I'm here to support you I'm on your team what is it that you need right now in this moment and getting curious about the answer and maybe that's lying on the floor looking up to the blank ceiling and just being maybe that's going for a nature walk maybe that's connection maybe that's just you know, water, like whatever that is. But if we can create that relationship where we're interacting with our pain, we're interacting with our emotion and we're, we're uniting with it, then we can truly serve it from a place of, of, uh, of soul rather than, um, distracting ourselves or numbing it out or, or, or doing, doing anything else. Mm. Oh, this is really power. You're bringing me back to a really uh, crazy time in my life. And I, I just want to share just so people can Mm -hmm. totally relate. Um, it's like so vivid for me right now because you're describing so, so beautifully in detail, um, and really getting to the root, which is amazing. I think this is going to help so many people. Um, so there was a time right before I really started taking, um, a lot of action on the different things that I wanted to be doing in my life, but there was so much fear there and unworthiness. And, you know, I was so worried about my value and people wouldn't think I was smart enough or whatever that story is Mm -hmm. that's going on in your head at that time. And for me, it was that moment of going from victim mode to knowing that I, I was using it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. Like I was totally, in that space of just not wanting to take the action because I was too afraid and too worried what other people would say. So I just kept falling back on, Mm. on, I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not good enough. I'm this, Mm -hmm. I'm that. And it was the place of knowing I didn't, that moment when I knew, like when you start accepting it of, of I can take this action, but I don't want to. Like it yeah. was a moment of accepting, wow, yeah. I just don't want to because other people mm-hmm. have made this happen. I know that I could. I know that it's just fear that I'm not facing. Mm-hmm. And accepting that was beautiful, but it also started to trigger like, wow, I just realized that I just am too lazy to do this and I'm too mm-hmm. scared. Like these were mm-hmm. the thoughts in my head. And like you had said, the thing that I started to do, even though I had so many moments of, you know, binge eating, freakouts, tantrums, like I, mm-hmm. I worked at home, so mm-hmm. I was alone a lot. Not a good thing. You guys, mm-hmm. um, I at home. <laughs> not always a good thing. Yeah. So I started taking myself on walks, like in those moments, like 
You just need to get out in nature, like go do something loving for yourself. Cause right now you just want to like beat yourself up in any way possible. So, um, thank you for that. That's amazing. Like just putting your finger really on that, like the Mm -hmm. space you said, taking space. And I have to say that was the number one thing for me was learning to provide myself space in those moments of where I could go down the dark hole of sabotage or just buy myself some time and figure out what was really going on and take yourself for a walk. So absolutely. We're so, you know, we're so conditioned to distract ourselves in times of pain and it can be something as simple as like sitting on the edge of your bed and staring at a blank wall, (laughs) you know, like I'm sure like if someone followed me around with a camera, they'd probably think I was a crazy person. But when we can, (laughs) when we can just manage our, like as soon as I have a feeling of anxiety, I'm like, okay, if I allow this to just like stay there without me addressing it and without me clearing it and, and be getting and unhonoring it, it's going to suppress like what, what you resist persists. Mm. So sometimes I'm like, Oh gosh, Whoa, what's that coming from? Okay, cool. Let me just sit here. Let me stare at this blank wall or maybe I'll grab my journal and I'll just like kind of take inventory. I'll take data of like, what's going on. Is it my business? Is it a client? Is it, you know, something from my childhood? Is it something in the future that I'm scared about? And, you know, I'll just, I'll just really talk it out. I'm a super vocal person. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm doing this like inventory of, of my anxiety, I'll, I'll talk it out cause it makes it super clear. And if I'm, if I'm angry as well, and I need to process anger, I'll just scream my head off because that's just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just a vocal person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when we can learn to really be proactive rather than reactive our, of our emotions, we, we are able to derail using food as a drug. We're able to derail maybe if wine is your thing or whatever it is. We're able to just like not distract, not deny ourselves that opportunity to grow and really settle into that pain, knowing that it's there to help us. It's there to give us leverage to become that the best versions of who, of who we are. Mm. There's so much uh, looking back. I just really I think the number one thing that I've been able to do is transform that pain because pain has been such a catalyst for me to finally allow myself to say, you know, this pain is, is here because it's trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. What is this trying to tell me and really figure out exactly what that voice is. And I've been able to, I think one of the biggest things that I, cause I'm always trying to figure out and share, I'm sure just like you, it sounds like, um, Mm -hmm. especially if you vocalize your, you know, trying to figure out what it is. It makes a, for a beautiful teacher as well, because you can figure that out. But, Mm -hmm. um, for me being able to also see what is going to cause pain has been really big. So I've been able to, you know, maybe look at the choices I'm making right now and how is that going to affect me three months, six months. And do I really want to deal with the intense pain that could come from those Mm -hmm. choices? So, because we're so good at numbing, right? So we don't think about that. It's like today, right now, this is what I want. I want another wine night. I want to do this. I want to skip (laughs) that. And then I think about the pain of tomorrow. I'm like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I've been there. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And really, Lori, at the end of the day, those decisions come down. So I call those micro decisions. It's like, I'm making a micro decision right now to bring myself closer or farther away from, from who I, who I've committed to being right. And that comes down to standards. Like what, what truly is your standard for who you want to be? Because if it's high and you, you truly want to live out your best life, but you're making these micro decisions that is taking you farther and farther and farther away, then there's something out of alignment. You're not being integral to your word. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really a a process of just questioning like, okay, if I have this wine tonight, what's, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to be able to show up and serve in the way that I'm committed to? And if the answer is yes, cool. If the answer is no, then maybe that's not the right decision. So it's about like that, that, you know, constantly, uh, constantly questioning and, and being curious about, uh, about our decisions. I had that question yeah. on Monday. I was like, okay, you drank wine all weekend. If you have wine tonight, cause I really wanted it again. Right. Once I have it, I'm like, this is amazing. And so much fun. <laughs> and then Monday came and I was like, if I have this wine tonight, what am I going to do? And I answered, you're going to have it again tomorrow. And I said, okay, we're good. We're going to yeah. just turn it off right now. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I enjoyed it. Let's just enjoy it for what it was. And I, I have these conversations with myself all of the time. It's just constantly projecting and seeing like, what is this decision going to bring? So I love that. And how about for clients, most transformative thing that you feel, um, you've seen with clients. So this is really interesting. And this is a beautiful part of my work. Um, a lot of the women that come to me because I deal with, with not so much the, the, 
restriction restrictive anorexic bulimia side but i'm i'm very more focused on using food as a drug women who are caught up in that diet binge cycle they can't eat like a normal person they're constantly using food and they don't know why 60 to 70% of the women I work with have a history of sexual trauma or sexual abuse. And they don't realize when they come to work with me that their addiction to food is simply a way of creating a physical barrier to intimacy so they're not vulnerable. They don't know that. They have no idea. And so for the majority of their lives, they've been putting Band-Aids on bullet wounds with restrictive dieting and over-exercising and doing weight loss trends and juice cleanses and pills and this and that and the other, not realizing and, of course, then gaining it all back because they've not yet looked at the core emotional reason as to why they're overweight. And so that for me, I, it's, it's, it's beautiful for me and it's healing for them to be able to just look at that in a bright light, knowing that they're safe to talk about it. Cause a lot of times they don't talk about it and heal through that. And so then weight release then becomes the result of doing the work and not the focus like they've been doing in the past. Cause in the past they've been running away from their bodies, taking action out of fear taking forced action, you know, doing these like thousand calorie diets a day, all, all that kind of stuff. And then when they give in the towel, they, or they, when they throw in the towel, then they gain all the way back more. And they're, they come to me just overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, so at their wit's end. And then when we look at what's actually the problem and we shift that, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful release. Um, so that is probably like – Educating clients in that and helping them heal through that is 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 probably the most transformational thing I get to do. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when people are setting, so this brings up an interesting question. So I would love to hear just what is, you know, especially for people dealing with um, everything that we're chatting about, what is a way, because people are going to, they're probably always going to want to either make body goals, like you were talking about. It's not that you're, you know, going to gain 300 pounds or, <laughs> or whatever that is if you don't, um, you know, focus on, being a certain way, being a certain way, getting a certain, um, physical goal, but how does one maybe still focus on if they want to be fit or they want to be strong, or do you have them visualize an idea of a healthy body or is it just generally they're really focusing on the actions of loving yourself? How does that work? Um, I love this question. This is, this is fantastic. So there's the difference between forced action and inspired action. Force action is diet mentality, counting calories, weighing yourself, measuring yourself, all of that very heady stuff that we do. Then there's inspired action, which is the the journey I take my clients on. And I I bring them to a place where I'm like, tell me exactly what you want. What, What kind of body do you want? How do you want to feel in your body? When you look in the mirror, how do you want to feel? When you're having conversations, how do you want to feel? When you're putting your clothes on in the morning, when you're taking a shower, when you're having sex, when you're doing all of the things that you do, how do you want to feel? And do you fundamentally, absolutely, with absolute certainty, believe that you can get there? And so that's where we start is that we create not even an intention, but an expectation of what they're going to achieve. And that's where the magic comes in is like when we can feel it before we have evidence of it, that is how we get there. Because if when we raise ourselves to that vibration and we are so clear with what we want and we expect ourselves to have it, then by virtue of doing that, we raise our expectations and we begin to attract that into our lives because we have conditioned our minds to do that. So it all starts in our mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, loving yourself is a component of that. But it's interesting because so many people, when I say, okay, if, if I were to say, okay, it's time to love yourself, it's like, that's like someone saying to me, okay, it's time to speak Japanese. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have never done that. Like, don't tell me. I don't even know how to say that. So it, it's loving yourself is, is, is the theme, but it's like, we can't focus on that. Cause like, that doesn't make sense to people. They're like, I, I don't get it. I've been hating myself. I've been hating myself for so long and I've been shaming myself to get skinny and, and all this kind of stuff. So we really have to focus on like the focus on the tangible things that we can do every single day to really shift our mindset and really focus on what we want. And so every single morning waking up and acting as if acting as if we're already there, try it on for size. How does that feel? 
Who, who do you need to become to get there? So those are the questions that we need to, we need to start asking ourselves. And by virtue of doing that, we, we believe that that is 100% what is going to happen. Now I get to do this journey to get there. I get to release the emotional weight that I'm carrying to then release the physical weight that, that is on my body because physical weight on our body is simply just a representation of what we're holding on to emotionally. Mm, that is, that is truly everything like (laughs) acting as if how you want to feel it is the story of my and it's so crazy to see it in action literally I'll know a day where I am like vibrating super high maybe I feel like I am just madly in love with my husband I'm in love with life like it doesn't even I've forgotten what my body even looks like because I'm in such an amazing just I feel so good and it's so crazy because I do this all the time I'll I'll notice that if I go for a run that day I will get random high fives all of the time. Random people smile at me. I'm not even kidding. One day I was in such a high, like beautiful place. I had this great meditation, amazing prayer. I was like levitating through the day, just so connected. And, um, like, so I live in Santa Monica and there's so many homeless people where I go and run and they were like walking up to me, smiling and coming towards me. I'm like, Whoa, maybe I need to like shut this down a little bit because I need to just guard just a tiny bit. It was like, I was a magnet and I was thinking, this is so, I'm so aware of that though, that when I feel that way, people smile at me, people hold the door, people give me high fives. I'm like, this is so insane. And when I'm really low, nobody's even, nobody's looking. I'm not sending out that energy. I'm very closed off. It's really crazy. So I I really try to notice what's going on around me and what, what people are doing when I'm in that place. Oh my gosh, that that's incredible. And and basically what you're doing is you're just allowing miracles to come into your life. You're block you're unblocking the channels which constrict miracles from from, from mm-hmm. getting into our life because in that state, you're not doubting your worth. You're not you're not fearing anything. You're just like in a state of abundance and joy and bliss and you're you're operating in in the with the flow of universal laws, not against them. Mm-hmm. So the universe is like hey, wow, Lori is a fantastic channel for me to dump some miracles in right now because she's open, she's receptive, she's in a state of allowance, let's do this. And so in that state, you're like, oh my gosh, the universe is so abundant and I'm in such a state to just receive all of this abundance and it's beautiful. But when we doubt that that magic that we all have access to, when, we, when we're fearing it, when we're focusing on it going wrong or we're in scarcity mindset, the universe is like, ooh, that's not really a safe container for me to dump this mir- these miracles in right now. I'm going to move on to the next person. So yeah, it, it happens. It's, it's beautiful. Mm, so you said something amazing. Um, well, you said a lot of amazing things, uh, but, <laughs> but when we share, when we share what happens, it's like we, we hold these things in. So we're so, you know, when we don't share, when we're quiet, when we think we're going through this alone, mm. when we're super, we feel so shameful when this is something that's dark and we don't want it. We think that we're, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people that listen to, you know, podcasts and obviously who probably, uh, come to you for the work that you do and think that they're alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what happens yeah. when we share? It's so beautiful. So how I start off all my, my, my society, which is my, my group program is we all get on a call and we read out our letters. So I say, ladies, I want you to write a letter from your future self to who you are today and write them a letter as if you're already there. It's already done. And so we get on this call and for so many women, it's the first time that number one, that, that they've admitted that they've had a problem and number two, that they've believed or, or, or thought that they could be anywhere but where they are in that moment. And it is just so beautiful when we can get in community and we can heal through a problem that we're all going through. For me, it was such a solo mission. Um, The fight was a solo mission and most of the recovery was also a solo mission. And so it's the most freeing feeling when we can be like, hey, I'm going through this and you are too amazing. Let's team up. Let's be soul sisters. We're in this together. Let's raise the the feminine consciousness through, through this group, which will then trickle to the rest of the planet. And just let's all do this together and go on this transformational journey as one. And so we feel supported. You know, we are, we are quite literally starving for connection and community today. We really are. I live in San Diego right now. And the, the, here is where I feel the most community and it's so beautiful. And I feel 
when I'm down here that I can take so many risks and become the best version of myself and just just really allow myself to shine because I feel so supported in this community. And when we have that feeling within a group of, of, of women, it's just they become unstoppable. It's so beautiful. Mm. Mm. Just reminded me, I, I, uh, I've, I have like two girls right now who are really looking for community in San Diego. And I was like, there's so mm. many women down there. I have to connect <laughs> you. So I'll have to connect you guys. They're amazing. Yeah. They like yeah. just got drawn to San Diego. I mean, mm. weird, not weird at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So how important, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I just want to hit this home. Um, the importance of what we're saying in our head and languaging, because I really, words carry energy. They carry, I mean, it's so insane what happens with the languaging that we're using. So how can we really start noticing it? What do we want to watch in our vocabulary? How can we be loving observers? Yes. Loving observers. I love that. A ritual that I do when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling on edge, I just grab my journal and I just do free writing. And so I'll, I'll just write down everything that's coming to my mind. Like your, whatever it is, like the nastiest, darkest, most horrible stuff that's, that's going through my mind. I'll just get it out on paper and then I'll just go through the process and be like, is that really true, Sam? Is that really true? Like, where did you learn that? Like, that's, that's silly. Like, that's not who you are. That's not in alignment with your authentic self. How can we now reframe that? How can we reframe that thought into something more powerful? And so when we take space and we do this and we rewire these thoughts, when we think it the next time, we've already done that, like that, that grounding process of switching it. So we're like, oh, no, 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 that doesn't feel good. This is my new thought. And so this is a practice. You know, you don't do it one time and you're like cured and you never have bad thoughts again. But when you when you are experiencing feelings of anxiety and tension and stress that is perpetuated by your thoughts, just sit down and just free write. Whatever comes to mind, don't judge yourself. You're simply just, like you said, Lori, a loving observer of those thoughts that are going on. Because so often those thoughts are just, you're creating this warm, safe bed for these thoughts and they you don't own them. They're not a part of you. They're they're just programs into you at the moment and are dictating your behavior, but they're not who you actually are. And that's why they feel so sticky and horrible. So taking time and just like getting it out and, and asking yourself, is that true? Is that, is that who I really am? And nine times out of 10, it's like, nope, that's not, that's not, there's no truth. There's no merit. There's no evidence behind that. Let me create a better story. Hmm. So do you still have triggers and what do you do to either avoid or... Yes. Mm, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. So I know when I'm feeling low or stressed out, food and body is, is where I go first and foremost. So I'm, I either I'm like, Oh God, I feel fat or, or let me, uh, where's the chocolate. And, and so mm. I know I've not doubled down on my self care. If I, if, if I am feeling in that state of, of wanting to mindlessly eat or shame my body. So then it's just a process of like, what have I not done? Mm. Um, I'm a very aware and clear that I need to have a very dialed in morning routine every single morning to get myself into a state where I am most able to serve, mo- most able to welcome in miracles, most able to feel loved, most able to contribute, to be a good friend, to be a good daughter, etc. And I notice if I don't do that, I feel shaky. I feel like mm, something's not quite here right now. So when I feel triggered, it's just it's just a process of like, okay, what have I not done? How have I not honored myself and what can I do right now to get back in alignment, to get back on the self-love train and just really be vibrating at a higher level? Because I know the the cost in me not taking proactive action and allowing that to, to just manifest into a overeating or shaming my body and hating my body. Mm. That's so hit home because mm. that always answers my question always. It's like, what am I not doing? And I will tell you my number ones are, it, it's like, you're not sleeping enough. Cause sleep mm-hmm. is, sleep is like my number one. I've figured yeah. it out. If I'm not sleeping, I'm like, you don't really want to meet me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. the difference between like, mm-hmm. I love life and myself. And I feel <laughs> like I'm totally balanced for the most part. And it's like, without that, I feel crazy. So mm-hmm. Um, it's knowing that I either need to look at my day and take a nap or get to bed earlier or drink more water or, you know, just self-love, self-care things, take more time for myself. Mm. Um, yeah, just beautiful self-love rituals. So what are some things for you that really, um, are recharging you right now? 
Mm. So um, should I walk you through my morning routine? Yeah, do it. <laughs> Love it. So I, um, so I get up about 5.30 and I do 10, 10 seconds of just like moving my body. So like high knees, jumping jacks, whatever it is. And then I hop in the shower in like a freezing cold shower um, for about a minute, moisturize my body. And then I do 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of writing. And then um, I look at my um, my daily goals, my weekly goals, my monthly goals, and then do my affirmations. So that takes about two hours. Um, and so that's, that's my commitment in the morning. And then in the evening, it's a little bit more chill. I just do some reading and uh, focus on gratitude. And so those are like, that's like my padding to my day. And as long as I dial those things in in the morning, the evening, it doesn't really matter what happens in my day. I'm generally fairly happy. Mm -hmm. Um, as you, your days are probably like this, I'm sure like you just, sometimes you just never know what's going to come at you and hit you. And there's, you know, all sorts of fun things as an entrepreneur. So that morning consistency is super important to me. Um, and I realized that over the last couple of years, I've really suppressed my desire for expression and particularly in the form of comedy and dancing. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up as a dancer, of course. So um, building Hungry for Happiness, I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't do that. I need to be like a businesswoman. I need to focus. I need to not, you know, I need to not take comedy class. I need to just focus on, on building this mission. And I realized that that was was actually doing my business a disservice by not by me suppressing that that desire so it's really important to me that if I feel the need to like dance or take a stand-up comedy class or or um I love film I love um writing scripts and that kind of thing so um doing doing those sort of things that are not directly related to hungry for happiness actually really um supports it because I'm I'm happier and I, I just feel more energized so yeah uh, we're living a parallel life just so you know <laughs> Um, yes. for real. Like when you just said that I, for a while, while I was building this business, I just was just like, you know what? I have to grind to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. I just need to work, work, work and do this. And I did nothing fun. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm good. No, I don't even need that. Cause when I do that, I'm like totally over here feeling guilty. And like, I should do this and should do that. So it was yeah. horrible. Right. Yeah. So yeah. now it's like, I hit this point where I'm like, I am not doing anything fun. I love to laugh. I love to be super active and um, I just wasn't, I was suppressing just like you said, and that was so not fun. It's like, if you're not having fun, why are we doing this? So right? that was a huge point yeah. for me where it's yeah. like, I'm not being of service to people when I'm like this, like yeah. it's just, and what am I showing them that you can, if you want to be a successful businesswoman, you have to be miserable. No. I don't think yeah, so. So absolutely, and it's interesting because my my belief was, Sam, you deal with eating disorders. You can't do comedy, or right. you know, it's like you deal with disordered eating. That's really, really serious. But actually, my clients get the biggest breakthroughs when I'm just being a goof and I'm being silly. And in our webinars, I'm telling jokes and I'm I'm bringing the light into a, a fairly not dark, but fairly heavy topic that's, that's, that's riddled with shame. And if I can bring some lightness and comedy into that environment, it actually is one of the best ways to help women heal. Cause they, it's perspective and they see it they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was actually doing that. And so by, by virtue of me bringing my entire self to the table, they, they benefit. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really, and that goes back to like, what do you want? What mm -hmm. do you actually want? Like, I really want to perform. I really want to be on stage. I really want to dance and, and that kind of, kind of thing. So it, it, uh, it's just, it's what's good for you for what's good for you. It's good for the world. My coach, my coach always says that to me. Oh, and it's so true. And that yeah. actually, that's a whole other piece to everything that we're talking about is when I really started to do the things that I love, I wasn't craving food to fill oh, the void. Yes. Yes. Do you notice, like, I'm sure the listeners, they can, they, they probably, this will resonate, but when you have a day where you wake up and you're with friends and you're at the beach and you do this and that and it, everything's super connected mm -hmm. and there's community and there's friends around, you're so emotionally full. You're like, oh, I forgot to eat today. Or like, oh, we haven't eaten today. And it's like four o'clock and I'm not even hungry. It's because you're so happy and fulfilled. And then the days where you're like moping around, around the house, kind of feeling sorry for yourself, that's when you like look in the fridge 52 times to see if there's like anything new that's in there. <laughs> um, so our states are just like totally, it's like, is that an emotional hunger cue or a physical hunger cue? So mm. yeah, it's interesting. And that brings something else up that I was just... 
coming to realize right now is, you know, in the past I used to, uh, relate having a social life to, um, having to eat or having to, uh, just kind of like numb out within maybe going out or the conversation or what we were doing. But I just realized now that my friendships and what we do have changed so much that now to me, the social life is actually the thing that is really keeping me charged up and happy and full. And it's because I'm connecting with different people and we're doing things and having really fulfilling conversations where before it's like, I was like, okay, well, I have to drink two to three glasses of wine to really start having fun and feel like I'm not anxious and to figure out what the hell I can talk Mm. about. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's... That's so true. That's so true. It's a whole other layer, right? Like, Mm. do you, do you do that when you look at people's work or I mean, when you look at people's life within your work, do you have them look at the environment and maybe the people that they're with? And does that change a lot for them when they start to shift? Yeah, it's actually really funny. It's funny you asked this question, such divine timing. One of my clients reached out to me yesterday and she's like, she's like, Sam, I, I don't have any friends anymore. (laughs) And I went, went, what are you talking about? She's like, I feel like the only friends I have right now are the women in the society, which is my, my program. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, she's like, yes. And it feels so good. (laughs) She's like, I don't, I don't have those people in my life anymore. And I mean, that's an extreme case, of course, but as you, you attract who you are, right? You attract who you are. So if you are on the, the, the path to become, to become just more fulfilled, more connected, more conscious, whatever, whatever, whatever path that you're on of, of development, you're, you're by nature, you're going to attract people into that vortex who are vibrating at the same energy and level. And it's just the way the world works. So, so it's, it's beautiful to look at your friends and if they're rock stars, just, just know that you also are a rock star and, and by nature of them being amazing, you, that's a reflection of, of who you are. So, yeah. So I think this in-person connection is so important. This is actually what I'm writing a lot of my book that's, that, um, is almost done on. It's just tribe connection, how important it is, what it actually does when we, when we talk with other women, all of those things. So within Mm -hmm. your group, um, and it's so, yes, that helps more than anything being in a group, being in a tribe. And that's really how I started my journey for so long. Mm -hmm. But then there comes this point where you really need in-person connection as well. So do you, I'm sure for you, it's the same way. What do you do to reach out to people? And I know that unworthiness, no matter who we are, comes up, you know, especially when we want to start going with those high vibration, amazing people who could intimidate us. Mm. When do we know it's time to reach out? How do we connect with people? How do you connect with people? What do you do? Mm, I'm just very aware of the environments that I put myself in. So conferences, for instance, it's like, are the people there going to be my tribe? Are they going to be people that I could potentially be lifelong friends with? And so I, I'm, I'm more aware of just like doing the questioning process before I subject myself to environments because I'm a huge empath and I take on people's energy so easily. And so for me, creating boundaries around uh, connections is, is very important. And so just being, um, when I was, when, a couple of years ago, it was like, who do I want to become? Mm. Like, what does that look like? What kind of person do I want to become? Okay. If I, if I was there already, what would I be doing today? What would I be doing? You know, would I be going to that conference? Would I be going here? Like, how does that look? And it's about like creating that life. That, that goes back to the acting as if, right? If I'm already there, what do I do? Because that is inevitably what is going to bring you there. Mm. Mm. I just did my Facebook live on that question. Who do I want to become this morning? Literally. That's awesome. I need to go check it out. (laughs) Oh no. It's, I I was talking to someone the other day and saying, I really believe that we are all getting the same messages. And just like you said, if you are open and you allow and you clear the blocks, you're going to be able to, um, you know, get one of these amazing downloads and get one of these incredible messages. Like so many people are like, I don't think I have a purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I think it's because we don't keep our channel clear and we're not open and we need to really learn to accept ourselves first in order to get that. But the funny thing is, is that if you are open and accepting, we're kind of all getting a lot of the same messages over and over because they're all just floating out there in the ether of like what the world needs right now. I'm such a firm believer in that. So it's just really interesting when 
you get these, when you get these friends who are in that same place, I can go on their Facebook pages or whatever it is. And I'm like, Oh, yep. We're all saying the same thing today. It must be needed. It's so amazing. I love that. I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. The universe is like, okay, this lesson needs to be learned right now. Let's just like sprinkle it into the minds of all of these amazing humans to deliver it to the world. Yes. Oh my gosh. So where can, what are you most excited about? Where can we find Mm. you? Follow you all that good stuff. What am I most excited about right now? Um, we are preparing our next launch for the society, which happens twice a year. So our next launch is November the 21st. So that's exciting me a lot right now. Um, and you can find that at W well, I'll give you the link, Lori. And right. uh, hung- we're like hungry for happiness everywhere. So hungryforhappiness.com, hungry for happiness on um on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group. So if you want to join that, I'll I'll send the link over to that as well. And um and Instagram, YouTube, we're we're floating all, all over the interwebs. <laughs> um, I personally am just Samantha Skelly online. So if you have if you have questions for me, I'm more than happy to answer those for you uh, on Facebook. Amazing. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So you guys can go there to find and follow her. And I just want to say before our last question, because I have one more for you. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and thank you for sharing so authentically and openly. I love what you do. Thank you so much, love. Mm. I really appreciate that. Thank mm. you. You're so welcome. So last question. If you are on a very quick elevator ride with somebody, we're talking like 20 floors, and they look over at you and say, how can I make myself happy? What do you say in that short amount of time? Do a handstand. I'm so (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. I'm so happy when I do handstand. Perspective shift. (laughs) Okay. I'll give you another one. (laughs) Not, not everyone can do a handstand, feel the fear and do it anyways. Mm. You know, I think, um, there, there's such a beauty in like, it's like that relationship to pain, right? There's a book called that by Susan Jeffers called feel the fear and do it anyways. I think I read it when I was like 11 or 12 years old, but it's about like, Ooh, this is quote unquote scary. But if I can just change that, that feeling to excitement rather than fear and move through it, we have access to so much on the other side and we can become closer and closer to the people who we actually want to be and desire to be so yeah amen sister friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right you guys if you loved this episode as much as i did make sure you share it and until next time earn your happy bye everyone Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently, and most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. 
That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start 
which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part, and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you got to go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.